Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome back to another edition of Red Sox Deep Dives. Andrew Dwan, Joe Goddard back with me for this episode. We're going to get into Brandon Workman and then... Where do the Sox stand in the American League East, especially against the Rays, possibly the Yankees, and what do we need to do to hopefully still compete for a division win? So we will get into both of those topics. Andrew, Job, how are you guys? Doing good. Happy uh, prospects are due from the Mets for the Benintendi trade day. Tomorrow? Well, uh, I mean, well, uh, <laughs> today. <laughs> I should say this. This is why we keep Andrew around because I wouldn't have known that otherwise. So. <laughs> Friday, baby. So, do you what have a name or two? Expect? Yeah, a name or two. Do you? We think? don't. We're recording prior to this uh, being, you know, the players being released. But on Friday, when everyone's listening to this, we should know hopefully by midday who the Mets prospect is, and that is going to be the best one uh, that comes over for the Benny deal. Do you have a name have you like think it could of... be? No idea. We don't. Unfortunately, no. It's going to be someone that's not on the 40-man. Um, these were two separate deals. The, uh, High Bloom knew that Scott loved um, Khalil Lee from the Royals. The Red Sox always liked him. Uh, so they flipped him to the Mets. Uh you know, he was one of the pieces the Red Sox got from Benny. It wasn't really a true three-team deal. It was a two. It was one to one and a one to one. So we this is this is the main piece we're getting back right now. Um, this player and Winkowski essentially. So I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be a recent draftee, which would be awesome. I'm. I mean, I don't want to get my hopes up that it'll be a JT Ginn. Uh, I think that'll be the ceiling. But I'm expecting an IFA guy that was signed in the last year or two and is developing through their system. All right. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, that's kind of your domain. I just kind of bounce uh, questions off of you guys. Some of these guys are still a year or two out at least. So, uh, But maybe not Winkowski. Maybe he could uh, see some time with the big club. So, uh yeah we'll see i think he's got like a 137 era with double a portland he's been killing it lately yeah the one name that haunts me though who was mowing everybody down in double a was henry owens so hopefully he's got to have way more velocity than he did though um so we'll see but uh speaking of pitchers and uh acquisitions brandon workman Back after being DFA'd by the Cubs, cleared waivers. The Red Sox snagged him almost immediately. Was pitching in AAA Worcester, pitching very well. They found that he had rediscovered his curveball, commanding that very well. Wasn't commanding the cutter so well. And then his opt out deadline came up and. He basically exercised that, and the Red Sox had 48 hours to pick him up. 
there was a lot of no commenting on the first day of that. And then uh, it was announced on, let's see, Saturday that he would, uh, in fact, uh, be back with the Red Sox. So, Joe, let's lay it off with you. You had some 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 feelings about that. So, Well, so my thoughts were mostly questions rather than thoughts, actually. Uh, I wonder if he was part of the plan for the Red Sox or whether or not this triggered, you know, his decision to trigger his opt-out forced their hand. It was tough to tell based on Alex Cora's comments whether or not he was interested in Brandon Workman being an option out of the pen for him until it happened. And now that he's with the big club, he had one performance uh, in what will be to the listeners yesterday's game, uh, so Thursday's game. And he struck out two hitters, but he gave up a home run. And um, he looked like he had some good stuff, but I wonder if he was in the cards for this team. I very much think this might have been a move that was forced rather than a move that they wanted. And I wonder if he's long for the big club because there's another name coming up that I'm sure we'll talk about who in the next couple of weeks is going to be ready to go. Yeah, you know, I think the Red Sox got a little lucky earlier in the year. They had Kevin McCarthy that also had an opt-out in the spring, um, and he chose to stay with the Red Sox, which was a little surprising at the time since there really wasn't a clear path for him to get back at a major league salary, so he's been pitching in Worcester. Uh, but Workman, I think... You know, with his track record, to his credit, utilize that June 1st opt-out. And it forces the hand, which is within every player's right. And, I mean, I would too. That's why the contract is there, right? Yeah, exactly. So he gave them the 48 hours to activate him, and they did, uh, to their credit. Also, it was easy when you only have to DFA a Colton Brewer. Uh, The Red Sox also had Cesar Puello, or yeah, I think it's how you pronounce his last name, um, who had a cup of coffee last year sitting in Worcester, who also often uh, exercised his opt-out at the same time, and he's been granted his release. So um, Workman's status with the Red Sox, obviously there's history there. Definitely worked in his favor, and I I really hope this works out. Say was a little rusty. That one home run he gave up, I will say this much, he got screwed on a two-one pitch that led to a hitter's count. It was a. It wasn't even. It wasn't a borderline strike. It was a strike strike that the umpire completely missed. Led to a hitter's count. He battled back the three-two and then hung a curveball that he shouldn't even been in the position to throw in the first place. So encouraging first outing out of Workman. I'm happy he's with the team. Um, Worst case scenario, if he you know has good enough stuff to stick with the major league, he's your sixth inning guy, which is that's a weapon. Yeah, you know, I didn't know what to make of the situation when when Workman did opt out, whether or not the Red Sox would pick the option up or not, because like I said, there was a lot of no commenting. Chorus even 
talked about the process, kind of like how Andrew just did, and Cora specifically was like, well, he has the right to opt out, and he's triggered that. And I'm like, there were, there was no hints as to whether or not he would eventually, 24 hours later, end up with the Red Sox, or 48 hours later, I should say. And I think part of this is because they can't really tip their hand to the roster on the fact that they're going to have to DFA somebody. Yeah, no, I definitely think that's a big piece of it. I was just surprised by how little enthusiasm you heard from top to bottom, from Heim Bloom, Sam Kennedy, even Alex Cora, about the possibility of getting Brandon Workman back uh, as a weapon based on what he was in previous years for this team. Andrew, did that surprise you at all? No, not really, because that would tip their hand. You know, you kind of want to downplay it, but you're like, you know, we like you, but we don't love you. And then maybe as a player, you're like, well, crap, am I going to get another minor? Do I want to sit in the minors for another three weeks on another team if I opt out? And will I be able to sign with a contender? With, uh, then I'm looking at a July 1st opt-out date. If they don't add me to the major league roster, do well, I want to go in flux like that? I, I asked mostly based on after. You know, his, I know that he didn't. they had yet to tell Colton Brewer that he was DFA'd, and that's probably mm-hmm. why Cora was so restrained. But it didn't sound to me, even in today's post-game press conference, you know, when Cora spoke, that he was over the moon to have Workman back in his bullpen, and you think that he would be because Workman is one of those guys that when he's on, he can be a dominant late-inning guy, um, and this bullpen has been struggling to find you know their pieces to bridge the gap to Barnes. So I was a little bit surprised by that, and I, I wonder if maybe this signing uh, and this move was a little bit more Bloom, uh than Alex Cora, and this was a little bit more of let me show Red Sox Nation that I made a good move when I dealt these guys for Nick Pavetta because this to me, at least looking through you know comments on Twitter and, and what fans are saying on the radio and things like that, the fans are like, oh my God, Heim Bloom's a genius. Three weeks ago, Heim Bloom was not a genius. Uh, Heim Bloom was, you know, a guy with a C plus B minus uh, off season for most fans. And now people are through the moon on him or to the moon on him. And I I don't know necessarily if this is what's best for the ball club. And I wonder if he's long for this team, if he has, you know, of a four or five ERA over the next two or three weeks. Well, he's only, he's getting paid pennies though. So if he doesn't work out next man up and I think we're Terry's about to hop into that next guy that will take his spot. And just lined up to take that spot. Yeah, I mean, it, it's probable Brazier's going to wind up on the club by hook or by crook at somebody's expense, and it's going to be a little trickier to get him on the club uh, than it was Workman because we knew Brewer was gone, especially after that outing on I think it was let's see. Uh, game one of the Astros series when he gave up four hits, walked three guys, so he allowed seven base runners. Four of them ended up scoring, so Brewer was gone. And I think even though he was the obvious guy out, Cora can't he can't he can't say that before they can get 
workman to the to the ball club. We knew we knew Austin Bryce was gone when Santana was coming up. We knew that several days out, but they're not going to announce it for that reason. And and I think that's that's why. And I'll also say this: Who expected Workman there on Sunday? I remember saying we were in the group chat, and I was like, I I, I want to see Workman come into this game because Perez was kind of making a case for a complete game. And I was like, man, I'd love to just get Workman in there. And then Andrew's like, is he even there yet? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I saw him before the game. So he was out to the club. So they didn't waste any time getting him out there. I'm wondering if perhaps maybe he was told earlier on that. Yeah. Just, just be quiet, be quiet. We're going to, we're going to make the move here and we're going to we're going to bring you up but but yeah Let, let's just talk about Brazier real quick because that that is a difficult uh situation like who who is out if it's not workman well i think it comes down to contracts it's unfortunate <laughs> but that's kind of how this team has been built um I think if it was just purely on results and, and what we've seen so far in this season, the odd man out is probably Matt Andrees um, as far as quality of, of arm. But I don't think he's going anywhere on the contract that he signed. So I have no idea. This might be a return to the three-man bench um, at some point to, to make room for him and then see how it goes. You know, If somebody falls off a cliff from a rotation standpoint, you have your answer or from a bullpen standpoint, rather, um, then that guy goes and you might just kind of play it out like that. But to me, it's going to be either Workman or Brazier uh, and, and not both. So I, I hope that today's performance was not indicative of what Brandon Workman has left in the tank. I think he's a better pitcher than he showed with that hanging curveball. I also wonder if maybe throwing the bullpen yesterday and then being thrown into the game today might have messed with him a little bit after not really facing major league pitching um, all that often of recent. So I, I wonder, uh, major league hitting rather, I wonder if Cora would have made the move that, that Will Venable made today to bring him in in that ninth inning um, instead of maybe bringing him into New York. I, well, I'm glad they brought him in now as opposed to New York. Um, I I don't think Andres, despite his struggles, is in limbo for this roster. I, there's just no depth at the starting piz, uh, pitching spot right now um, at the lower levels with their road, you know, the – the revolving door into James Andrews office right now. <laughs> Everyone's literally going for a UCL turn, uh, tune up, right. You know, I, I don't think they can afford to lose Matt Andrews is, which I didn't think I'd utter those words, despite, you know, being a proponent, you know, of his signing. I, it's tough. Workman is going to have to produce in order to stay on this roster. He is, because do you cut? You don't let Valdez go down. I, he's got options, but I don't think you let him go down. I'm not exactly sure how they're gonna work 
Brazier onto this 40-man roster. They're going to have to wheel and deal. I don't know if that's Chavis at this point and getting whatever you can get back for him. I don't know if this is Marcus Wilson who had another home run tonight. Well, could, could um, it be like a Danny Santana you know, issue in two or three weeks if he's still hitting 185? Honestly, it, I mean, it sucks because I like Danny Santana better than Marwin. But Marwin is a legitimate gold glove performer, right? At now. multiple positions. Yeah. I, I tweeted Fangraphs. It's like, has a team ever had two gold glove winners that both hit under 200 in the season? <laughs> I think the Red Sox are on pace for that at first and second slash utility. Um, I don't know. They're going to have to get creative. We need other teams to start falling back and other teams to start pulling away. So this trade deadline and the weeks leading up to it can become more clear. So we can see who has needs because the Red Sox can give you a player that can fill in for three weeks at a position if your starter goes down. I don't think anyone can deny that. We can give Santana, we can give Marwin, we can give Chavis, we can give, you know, you name it. So I think, uh, you know, Workman has to keep his stuff up um, if Brazier's pushing it. But if Brazier's a little further back than we thought, I think it's going to have to be a trade to get him onto this roster. What about trading Franchi? He's not worth anything. I No, I think he is with his upside, but he's already tearing it up in the minors. Here he has two home runs, multiple doubles. He's hitting 350. I this is good for Franchi Cordero. He's an asset who's getting regular at bats and we, there's no clock to start him to bring him up right away. He can be um, a bench at bench bat later on. And, you know, they didn't give him another plate appearance after that, probably what 500 foot home run in Philadelphia. So it's just, it's too soon to give up on him. I know I understand that people are frustrated by him, but, if they if he can get some developmental time in there with no pressure on him, I there's just no reason to throw out an unscratched uh, you know lottery ticket. Well, at this I guess point. you're right, Andrew. I, I came off a little bit more like like dog in that spot uh, with a little <laughs> bit of a little bit too harsh, I would say, on Franchi Cordero. I'm not a fan of Franchi Cordero, as all the listeners know. But to me, you just don't trade low on that asset. You you just can't trade him now because. He absolutely sucked for the first two months of this season. Because he's tearing the ball, cover off the ball for two weeks at AAA, is not going to get you that value back. So to me, you probably need to wait maybe three months uh, of AAA ball where he's hitting the cover off the ball before you get anything back for him. So he's not the piece to move at this point. I, I just think he doesn't really have a future with the team, especially if we're going to be calling up Duran. But, I mean, you've got Verdugo, Hernandez out there, and and Renfro. So, I just – it's just – And that's fine. That's fine if he doesn't. Um, I, I, I think you let him tear the cover off and see what he can get in the offseason if that's the case. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to free up a spot on the 40-man. Another guy you guys mentioned that does have options uh, is Phillips Valdez. I don't really know how critical it is he stays at this point. So I think he could very well be traded or DFA'd. 
I I hope they don't DFA Philippe Valdez, and that's why I didn't bring his name up because I think he's probably the last man on the depth chart in the bullpen, just based on the fact that he doesn't throw very hard. Cora doesn't use him all that much. It's very clear that Cora, or maybe someone upstairs, has a lot less of evaluation of him than maybe we do on the show. To me, you're not going to get a lot from Valdez because of who he is as a pitcher. He doesn't have overpowering stuff. He doesn't throw a hard fastball. But he's valuable in that he can go out there and give you multiple innings at any given point. And if he gets hurt, oh well. Uh, I wonder if maybe, you know, to, to free up some room, you try to move him or maybe move somebody else. Um, but I, I hope they don't give up on him to give Brazier a shot. I'd rather see Brazier dominate in AAA and we move him um, than to give up on Philippe Valdez. Well, I mean, it's just going to get tough. Eventually, you just have to make a tough decision. And then Sale's going to be back. Another tough decision will get made at that point. I would, so. uh, at that point, I would get rid of, and I hate to say it, but I, I take whatever you can get from Michael Chavis. Uh, and I don't think it's much. It's probably pennies on the dollar from what you would have gotten last year or even in the off offseason uh, or during preseason when in spring training he was, you know, tearing the cover off the ball and competing for a starting job at second base. Um, I just don't think he has a future. Um, and I don't think they're going to give up on Dahlbeck because if they were going to do that, they would have already done it. So I don't know. Maybe you can move on from Dahlbeck. You know, you could trade Dahlbeck, free up his 40-man spot, and fill up some room. Yeah. Um there's just there's a bunch of ways you can go, and, and when you trade these guys, if you're gonna make a trade to accommodate a, a Brazier, you're doing it to acquire a player that doesn't need to be put on the forty man. Right, so. and that's the issue that I see there is our forty man roster is absolutely stacked with guys who aren't ready. Um, or with guys who have injury problems. I, I don't know if maybe when Brazier comes back, there might this might be solved for us because somebody else might need to go on the 60-day IL at that point, uh, and we might not have to make a corresponding move. But it all kind of depends to me on how Brandon Workman works out because to me the only way to get Brazier on this 40-man roster is to move Brandon Workman. So I don't know. Well, I'm interested to see how that works out. I hope I hope Workman works out. I like him, and, you know, he's... Well, I feel like I can trust him. That's why I like him. I, I know Dave Bush is a great pitching coach. We've seen it. We've experienced it. And Workman works in this system. He worked for a couple of years. He never really fell off a cliff when he was in Boston. The second he moved on other places, he fell off an absolute cliff. I, I wonder if that is... Lack of confidence in his own pitches or maybe a different pitching program. But I, I have a feeling that we're going to get him right and he's going to be probably our seventh inning arm uh, and take a couple of innings away from guys like Sawi Mora um, and bridge the gap to Ottavino and Barnes or maybe even take that spot from Ottavino on days where he needs a day off. Yeah, I mean, he, he pitched in the 2018 postseason, some high leverage games, especially against the Yankees and the ALDS. And he was significant in the 2013 uh playoff run as well so 
Um, I, I think I think they'll find a way to make it work, but. Uh, and he was certainly a lot of fun to watch today. I know Guriel got to him. I don't know if that was his cutter that got knocked into the Crawford box. It was a, it was a, it was a hanging curve. Yeah, oh, hanging it was a curve. bad one. Oh, my bad. Yeah, and that's the one pitch he, he kind of has been commanding. So, But we'll see. I'm, I'm rooting for him. Uh, getting uh, into the uh, the next part the series against the Astros in a way could have been kind of an audition for what we might look like in, in a playoff matchup. And we weren't playing terribly going into that series. We were, we were playing fine and ran into some tough pitching and had an offense that, that couldn't figure it out. So I'm just wondering here, we led the division for most of the year and now Tampa's ahead of us by two games. And they've got an easier month. They'll have a tougher month uh, in July, as Job and I were were looking at pre-show. But realistically, where are we going to finish? I, you know, I think they can be neck and neck with Tampa. Um, for some reason, uh, Tampa seems to be the forty-year-old you know, reclamation spot with Brady going down there and now Dick Mountain himself, Rich Hill, <laughs> just finding the fountain of youth. And it's so aggravating to see because this guy never stays healthy for this many games in a row. And he's already started 11 games this year. Uh, I think if Hill goes down, they're going to be in a little bit of hot water and that will open a window for the Red Sox. If, you know, uh, McKay or one of these other, you know, people that uh, Heimblum drafted <laughs> turns into a number two that they'll trade for, you know, five, five-star prospects down the road uh, comes in and takes over. Um, I think the Red Sox will be right there with Tampa. Uh, I hope that's not the case. I hope Tampa runs into some issues. I hope their offense doesn't continue to get it done with, I'm just going to say it, a bunch of no names other than Rosarina, who actually hasn't even been that good, and Austin Meadows, who is absolutely laying the world on fire. I, I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. I really do. I think this is going to be a great divisional race, and I think it's going to be a two-team race. I don't see Toronto... Buffalo, don't call us Dunedine or whatever that other spot was, competing um, unless Springer gets back soon. I think it's Boston, Tampa, um, and I think it's going to be entertaining as all heck. I don't know what you guys think. I'm right there with you. I think the only threat to the Red Sox in this division is Tampa and – Unfortunately, I'm going to give the edge to the Rays to win the division right now. Um, you know, the dark horse for me is not New York. It's Toronto. They could go make a move tomorrow for a starting pitcher, and I could change my tune. If they go get Max Scherzer at the deadline, uh, then I'm in a whole different spot. But for right now, uh, the Yankees don't scare me because the story with the Yankees is if they're healthy, they haven't been healthy in three years. This core has never been healthy at once, um, and I don't expect them to get that good. What I do think about the Rays is, even if they lose the starting pitcher like Andrew mentioned, 
the possibility for them to bring somebody up from the minors or trade for somebody who another team doesn't value and turn him into an absolute star is there. Everybody that they have in Tampa is a plug-and-play guy. Uh, I mean, it's a guy that somewhere else doesn't work out. They bring him to Tampa, and the guy dominates. Or they draft him, and they develop him, and then he turns into a stud. They trade him away. He goes elsewhere, makes a boatload of money, and doesn't necessarily perform. So to me, the Rays worry me, and it's because we can't beat them head-to-head. That's, that's just what it is. They have our number. I think Tampa's going to most likely cruise to to the division win. Uh, and I don't expect Rich Hill to sustain this run. I mean, he's had blister issues. He's 41 years old. He's probably going to break down. If they manage him right, maybe maybe he'll be eased back into it as they get into the playoffs and, and be a weapon. But Tyler Glass now has looked good. Ryan Yarbrough is having the best season of his career. And when I look at Yarbrough, I think of Blake Snell. You know, similar similar path, similar rise up, and and then he won a Cy Young. And I'm not saying Yarbrough's going to do it, but he's, he's pitching very well. Then they have this Josh Fleming kid who I'd never heard of until like two weeks ago that's pitching very well for for the Rays. So... It remains to be seen what he's going to do. They have that Honeywell kid who hasn't worked out so far, been bouncing back and forth. But what if he does figure it out? That's that's a program where guys figure it out. And then Michael Waka just came back off the DL. I guess he had a hamstring issue. Uh, but he, he was pitching fairly well before he went on it. So, uh, And then you've got guys that have been quiet. Man, Manuel Margot, slow start. Randy Arozarena, slow start. If these guys figure it out, if they make moves at the deadline, it's probably going to be for offense, I think. They're going to try to... I, I don't see them Do making we... moves to ad- add people. Do you, Andrew? No, I don't, because I don't see them wanting to take on payroll. This is a owner that is getting sued by minority owners because he's having secret discussions to move the team north. I this whole Their whole situation is so freaking messed up. I... I don't see them taking on anyone of any, you know, significance. I it might be the correct terminology. You know, I don't see them. Not that Chris Bryant's getting a move now because the Cubs are good, but like I don't see them adding a bat like that. <clears throat> I don't see them be like, you know what? Let's eat ten million bucks and we're taking on Scherzer. And what about you know, a what about like a Peralta from Arizona? Or a uh, a Bumgarner, maybe. Or- uh, well, Bumgarner would be a ton of money, but Peralta's not making that much. I just don't see them. They, they could easily make a move where you're like, "Oh, that's dumb," and then you know, obviously the guy's the rating, you know, ALCS MVP. But I don't see them taking on any significant salary. I and right now it's so congested. And every division, except for, what, the NL East? I think that's the only one with more than, like, a three-game differential. It's so hard to predict the names that are going to become available. Who's going to be a seller? Who's going to be a buyer? Well, I, I mean, most teams are going to be buyers. I think the the sellers are going to be pretty much uh, the two teams in the National League West, the Giants and 
I know the Giants the, are good right now. Yeah, the Giants are one of the best teams in the league. But I, I think the sellers are going to be Arizona uh, yep. and Colorado. Colorado. Two teams in the West. In the, and Central, you, in the Central, you probably have a couple of teams. And in the National League East, I think everybody's a buyer. I but, think, unfortunately, everybody's going to be a buyer in the East. In the American League side of things, I think Chicago's going to add. Um, Minnesota is going to subtract. And then on the Western side of things, Houston's probably going to add, and the Athletics never really add anybody of substance for salary either. So it's going to no, be a really no. tough market. They're trying to move too. So, but is is Tampa's best deadline acquisition Wander Franco? We've never heard of. He probably is, right? I've already written off. Well, I mean, they have the number one prospect in all of baseball, and Wander he's Franco. ready to move on. Yeah, they are. They just traded what's his name. Um, their other shortstop uh, can't. God, I'm trying to blank on his name. Where did he go? But then they. Oh, Diaz? No. No. Um, oh, man. Good thing we're not doing this live. Uh, <laughs> what is his. Uh, Julio Damas. Yes, oh, thank Adamus. you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sorry, Adamas. They moved Adamas. <laughs> and now they can bring up a perennial 30-30 guy. And if they lose their second baseman, they can bring up Bruhan, who is the number like one second base prospect in the majors. So I don't know. I don't see them adding outside the organization. I see them getting some impact within it. I I could see them possibly going after uh, an Adam Frazier type guy out of out of the pirates. I, I think it's going to be a move like that. Um, there was one other guy, Peralta, uh, Joe Barty mentioned, but I, I think it's just going to be one of those sneaky good. Oh, Mitch Haniger could be a name dealt and, and that could be, and they've done business with uh, Seattle quite a bit. So I think those are the type of moves they're going to make. I think they've got plenty of depth uh, as far as pitching goes, but if they want to make a small move like that to get better, um, uh, they certainly can. What about Joey Gallo? Could he end up in Tampa? I think that's too much salary for them to take on. Okay. I think Joey Gallo is likely going to end up in the National League East. Um, and the team that I would say he's probably going to end up on is, say, uh, either a Philly or maybe even a Miami. I know they don't want to take on a lot of salary, but – if they ever do get Sixto Sanchez back, which is no guarantee, uh, that Miami pitching rotation is really nasty, and they're still in the mix in the National League East. Yeah, they, and they're only going to get better, I, I think. And that division's and, wide open, I would say. I mean, Florida, you know, both Tampa and Miami have no payroll, and yet they have some of the best prospects in baseball. So I wouldn't be surprised if Miami goes out and gets somebody uh, Kim Eng is going to want to make a, an impact move here, I think, because the team is in it, and who knows how long that's going to last. Um, but I, I think they could go get somebody, uh, and that's a name that might move for them. Yeah, and you're right on Gallo. He's making $6 million this year, and uh, we'll probably make, I don't know, at least 8 to 10 next year, and that's not a Tampa move. But um, I just feel like, the Red Sox are there's not a lot of solutions they have. We're hoping Duran comes up and it seems far fetched to me that he'll go right into the one hole, but maybe Andrew's right from the last show. Um 
that that would be nice because then suddenly you'd have Arroyo and Hernandez, who I think translates very well in the bottom third of the order. Um, so it, we're just we're just a ways out, and I, you look back to some recent playoff performances, 2016, 2017, We went into the playoffs completely flat, so. That's that could be the case this time, and we've never had to play a wild card game in this era, which started in 2012, a one game wild card. So I have a lot of concerns, and when we led the division for as long as we did, it kind of spoils you. You're like, okay, let's. And I, for a brief moment, I'm thinking, geez, could we be a World Series contender? Because who who is a World Series team in, in the American League? Right now, it kind of feels like the Astros, and Chicago is very good, but... Chicago, and then whoever comes out of our division is going to have a shot at it, in my opinion, and uh, I wouldn't rule out, I'll never rule out the athletics with Bob Melvin uh, at the helm there in in what is currently Oakland, um, because they always put the pieces together to make a deep run at something. Um, I know they don't want to add any payroll, but that's... (laughs) Yeah. That's another team that's like, hey, we're going to move. Yeah, to me, this is the equivalent of an open NFL season. It's going to come down to whoever is the healthiest because we're seeing guys drop like flies. And luckily for the Red Sox, knock on the largest slab of wood that you have available, (laughs) it's all been at the minor league pitching level. And we've watched Kluber go down. And we watch Springer go down just within division. If the Red Sox can maintain their health, get Chris Sale back, who there's your other biggest deadline acquisition. Um, I, I think that they can do enough to get within a game or two of Tampa, if not lock in that number one wildcard spot. And then have a deep pitching rotation that who who else has four starters right now? Uh, not a lot of teams, but I'll tell you what, the, the team that worries me at the deadline is going to be Toronto. Uh, I've, I've talked about them. I know they're not really a contender right now, but that offense is always going to be a contender uh, at this point. And they could, I could see them going out to get a guy like John Gray out of Colorado. Um, and they should. They really should. They need, they need a starting pitcher. But if they can get a starting pitcher, who's a front end of the rotation guy. Uh, they might even go get like, say a Sonny gray, or if the giants fall off, go pay a Johnny Cueto uh, size price tag to the giants. Or Jose Barrios too. Or, or Barrios from the twins who's under contract next year. So that price tag might be a little higher. I understand like there's a lot of hoops for them to jump through, but that team would scare me if they had an, an ace. So I'm not ruling that out either. And they could get a Scherzer type guy too. I mean, they've made big splashes. They they, they have a, a really good farm and a lot of cheap contracts because everybody's young. They could go get Scherzer and somebody else. I wouldn't rule that out. They traded, um, yeah, they traded for David Price in the in the 2014 season. But yeah, before we wrap, I I want to say this though. I'm 1,000 percent resigned to the fact one of the wild cards will come from the West. The Oakland and and Houston are making it. So the Red Sox have to finish second here. And we were talking before the show. We we don't think the Yankees will make the playoffs. I I predicted that from the start. I just think they have some 
they have some hardcore sustainability issues and we're seeing it now and we're, we're probably going to see more. I mean, Luke Voigt's on the Greg Bird program for crying out loud. And so we'll, we'll, we'll see, but I'm, I'm losing a lot of confidence, you know, as this Red Sox lineup struggles uh, as far as our chances are to win the division at the very least. Well, I mean, Andrew said it best. Whoever's healthiest is going to win. I just think the chances are that when it comes down to one injury, whoever fills in for Tampa Bay is more likely to be a stud than whoever fills in for us. And that's at any position. And that's because they're deeper in the in their farm system and because Tampa Bay's program has always been next man up. Uh, well, uh, if we do make the wild card game, you know, Chris Sale will probably pitch it. <laughs> so we'll see. That'll be against I'll take that. whoever the West is. Uh, and hopefully it's uh, in Boston. But nothing. if it's in Oakland, oh, yeah. But anyway, so uh, we could talk all night about baseball. We love it. But it's getting late. So we will wrap and be back on Sunday to discuss the Yankees series. Take care, everyone.